Jesus. And uh, sometimes it shows up in my eyes. And uh, my preacher always said, if your eye, sometimes if your eyes don't leak, your head will swell. And so what a, what a privilege it is to be able to stand here and represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God's been good in my life, and uh, he's been far better than anything I could ever deserve. And I bless the Lord this morning. God's good. God is good. Psalm chapter 23, I better jump into this or we'll be here till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But thank you so much, Preacher, for having me back again. It is awesome, awesome privilege to stand and sing and praise and worship with you this morning. And, and uh, thank you, choir, for that song. I felt like I was in a black church this morning. And uh, I never heard so much soul coming out of Washington State. But um, you did a great job and appreciate the ladies' trio. We were just talking about that song yesterday. I've never gotten over getting saved. And, uh, and uh, if you don't have that recorded, there's a CD table right back there. It's on there. No, but uh, and I think I might have that. I have some CDs with me. I probably won't mention anything else because I always forget to talk about the CDs. But we do have some available for you on that table outside of the, uh, in the foyer here. And they're just $10 each. And, and uh, we, we, we basically sell them to cover our costs and to pour it into another CD. And uh, we don't make money off of that. But we want to be a blessing to God's people. And so we could ever uh, do that. And I uh, appreciate some of you, my good friends. I've had some of you on my prayer list. And I've had your granddaughter, I think it was on my prayer list, uh, as a princess. And, uh, and uh, my Filipino, that was your granddaughter, correct? And I've been praying for her still. You can give me an update after church. But uh, she's on my prayer list out there. And several of you uh, that asked me last year for those prayer requests, I always generally keep them on for three months. But some of them, especially for salvations, I often will keep them on for much time, and, and uh, so I'm thankful for you, and I thank you for the Burris being here this morning. He said he wanted to come and just be able to be here this morning, so he's on my prayer list now, and uh, he said he's been a member here 51, 52 years, and what a blessing that is, and so make sure you're praying for him, and, and uh, let me jump into the message, Psalm chapter 23 this morning. Thank you all for your kindness, and uh, we'll, we'll have some fun throughout this week, but I just want to jump right into the message this morning, and thank you again for having me. Thank you for being a blessing to me last year, and hopefully I'm a blessing to you that God will use me to speak to your hearts. We'll just remain seated for sake of time. And the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If I were to ask you this morning, what is the most popular verse, the most popular single verse in all of the Bible, what would you say it would be? John 3.16. Even before I got saved, long before I got saved, I knew of John 3.16 because there was always some nut at the football game holding up a sign that said John 3.16. I had no idea what it meant, but it said John 3.16 on that thing. And then I remember going to, uh, of course, the first time, if you heard my testimony last year, first time I ever went to church in my life, I was four years old. And uh, we went to uh, Fairhaven Baptist Church in Chesterton, Indiana there. They, I was born in Gary, Indiana. And uh, they drove buses over to Gary and picked us up. And uh, me and my 19-year-old mom uh, got up, uh, got on that bus and went to church. As a matter of fact, I didn't even realize she went, to, she went there with me up until last year her and I were talking about it because they invited me back to preach. And uh, they, they, could you imagine that? 
36 years prior, they picked me, a four-year-old, and my 19-year-old mother with her illegitimate child. They brought us to church, and then 36 or 37 years later, I go back and I preach a bus teen rally at their church. You know, God, I love when God does stuff like that. And I preached in their Bible college and in their Christian school as well. And, uh, but many of you know that that was my testimony. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up in a Christian home whatsoever. And, uh, but when I went to Milwaukee, they would just take us to any church. Any church that would run a bus or a van, we would go. And so Assembly of God churches back then, they all ran buses and vans. And so we went there, and they, I learned John 3.16 there. And uh, I was like, oh, that's what that nut has been holding up on that sign, John 3.16. And then we learned Matthew 7.12, the golden rule. Whatsoever ye would that men should do to ye, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And they gave me a little pen so I could say that in that church that day. But it's the most popular verse. We would say, man, it's John 3.16. But the most popular chapter in the Bible, we'd probably say Psalm 23. I mean, literally, I think almost every funeral I have ever attended or even performed in my life. And uh, matter of fact, I was in, in that marker in my Bible right now, there's a, there's a little uh, uh, kind of a short obituary. Um, my cousin, they had a baby, and their third child went home to be with the Lord. I think he lived from December till February of 2023. And I uh, did his funeral not many years ago. And, and even in that funeral, that little baby boy, that was born to them, their third one. We went out to the cemetery there, and two of his siblings there, none of them ever lived past, I think, six months. And then beside them was my cousin Troy, who is the namesake of this little baby here. And I preached history, and he, he dropped at 41 years old. He was at work, and heart gave out, and uh, he's working for Gary Steele, and uh, USA Steele in Gary, Indiana, and his heart gave out. And passed away right there. I preached his funeral. We read Psalm chapter 23. Beside him in the cemetery was my Uncle Jerome. My Uncle Jerome was led to Christ by a man in our church years and years ago. And uh, went home to be with the Lord. He was 61 years of age. And he went home to be with the Lord. And at my Uncle Jerome's funeral, sure enough, Psalm chapter 23. At my Aunt Carmen's funeral, Psalm 23. At my Aunt Pam's funeral, Psalm 23. And uh, my mom, had, my grandmother had nine children, so you've been to a lot of funerals. And, uh, but nearly, and you, you have also, nearly every funeral we've gone to, they said Psalm chapter 23. It was a popular chapter in the Bible. Can I say to you this morning, Psalm 23 is not a psalm to die by. It's a psalm to live by. Matter of fact, one of my aunts and my Aunt Carmen, we mentioned her, I led her to Christ on my birthday in the year 2000. I used to preach the gospel to her, and she would literally cuss me out every time I brought up Jesus. And uh, she'd cuss me out and say, don't talk to me about that, I'm Lutheran. And I'm like, okay. And uh, that didn't make sense there. I thought you believed in Jesus too, but, but she didn't want to hear the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and she would just, but then finally on my birthday, 2000, she got cancer of the esophagus. And uh, a couple months before that, and she told one of the men in our church, who was a guy who was seven foot tall. He was her kid's Sunday school, her grandkid's Sunday school teacher. And he went to witness to her. And, and she said, no, I don't want to hear that from you. She said, go send my nephew here one more time to give me the gospel. And when I got off a college tour, and uh, I was on tour for Texas Baptist College at the time, and, and I got back, and on my birthday, I led her to Christ in 2000. Now, my aunt, you got to understand this. I don't know if this many times in my life, other than after she got saved and got cancer, or got cancer and did got saved, I don't know if this many times in my life I had seen her sober. I'm talking about from 1981 when I was born till 2000. I don't know if I, a, a, a day 
where I saw her, I don't know, five days in her life where I saw her sober. I'm talking about sun up to sundown. Now, you have to understand, my mother's, both of my mother's parents died about within eight months of each other before my mom had me at 15 years old. Uh, both her parents had passed away, and so my aunt would have been about, uh, if my mom was about 14, my aunt Carmen would have been about 19 or 20 when both of her parents passed away. And I believe one of the things was she was just coping with that and then just became a lifestyle for her of alcoholism. But did you know in her most inebriated state, after she got done cussing me out for mentioning Jesus, she could quote Psalm chapter 23 from memory. And some of you are like, I can't relate. I've been drunk. No, but, but uh, she, she would quote it from memory. It was the most amazing thing. It didn't matter how drunk she was. And I saw her. I mean, she was, she was out there. And, uh, and uh, time to go into the story. She literally, I, I, I said, some, some people, when I start telling them my testimony, they're like, I bet there's no way that happened. Listen, there's, it all happened. We were one time, and my mom and her boyfriend were arguing, and my aunt was getting in the middle of it, and then she was backing up as she was talking to him, but she was drunk, and she tripped over our stool in our living room. And I'm sitting right here on the couch with her son. He tripped, she tripped over the stool. When her drunk mind, he pushed her down. And my aunt, you know, this is a bad combination. She was always drunk, and she always had a knife right in her sock. She fell over. She went, stood back up, clicked that thing open, and like a ninja... She just went, and we're sitting, we're over here, and we're just watching this knife go. It was slow motion. It was just like a movie. James Dean right there. No, but uh, it's like a Western. And it went, stuck right in the side. And we're like, fell out, began to He went to emergency surgery that night, 50 staples later. It pierced his small intestine 50 staples later. Did you know a couple months later when she got out of jail and he was all halfway recovered from surgery, still had staples in his belly? You know they were drinking together again? I'm just telling you, in her most inebriated state, she could still quote Psalm chapter 23. It was amazing. The entire world knows Psalm chapter 23, and yet we in our Christianity today have not yet begun to live Psalm chapter 23. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning in these next few moments that we have. For Jesus' sake, Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that does not know for sure if they were to die right now or the trumpet would sound and we'd be gone, if they would be left behind. I pray that, Lord, they would get their salvation dealt with today. They are a sinner. They have no hope other than Jesus Christ. And I pray even now as we pray, they would be convicted uh, of their sinful condition and turn to Jesus Christ as their hope of heaven. Lord, I pray for the saved person in here. Lord, help us not to just remember these words. Some of them could have just quoted them. They didn't even need their Bible this morning. They could have quoted this entire chapter. And yet, Lord, we have almost, in our entirety, we have not begun to truly live Psalm 23. Help us this morning. Challenge us from the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to know this morning, this sermon is like Sesame Street. It is brought to you by the letter P and the number 10. If you know me, remember me from last year, most of my sermons, they're alliterated. And uh, that's, that's tough to do. But it's tangible. And it's thorough. And it's just kidding. And, uh, and uh, it's like my friend, he said, he talked about soul winning. He said, he said, soul winning is where the few fanatics fan the flames of fighting filth and fighting hellfire with the Holy Ghost fire of uh, forgiveness, which is the formidable foe to the father of filth. And uh, don't ask me to repeat it again, all right? But he said, he said listen, he, 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 but watch this. 
I know there's 10 points, okay? Everybody notice that? Letter P, number 10. There's 10 points in this message. I will not get to all 10. And some of you are like, praise God, because <laughs> you wouldn't be here till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We'll get through about four of these points this morning, and then you have to come back, because like the ShamWow guy, there's more, okay? And uh, some of you younger kids are like, I have no idea what he's talking about. And uh, I'm just speaking in tongues. Don't worry about it. But I want you to notice, first of all, in Psalm chapter number 23, I want you to notice, first of all, there's a pastor. There is a pastor in Psalm chapter 23. The Bible says the Lord is my what? The word, uh, the Hebrew word that's Jehovah Ra'al. The Lord is my shepherd. And my pastor and I, we, of course, philosophy about ministry a lot, particularly when I was on staff for him for about 13 years. And we talked about this verse because one day I was reading this uh, in my devotional time and I just began to weep over uh, chapter 23. And it took me about a week to get through it because I would, I would read a phrase and I'd weep and I'd read a phrase and weep. But we talked about pastoring and being a pastor and, and uh, a lot of that philosophy. And, and I believe there's a reason why God refers to us as sheep and himself as a pastor or a shepherd. That's the same word we get pastor from. It's the same lineage as the word bishop. The Bible says Jesus is the bishop of our souls. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And he said, I give unto my sheep eternal life. He said, none of them are going to perish. And he said, no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand or my hand. And then he said, my father, which is greater than all, nobody's able to pluck them. God, he said, I am want the Lord to be my shepherd. Well, let me ask you this morning, are you pastorable? No, but Alan, it's just a cute little saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, let me ask you this, when was the last time the Lord was able to pastor and lead you then? It's easy to sit there sanctimoniously and say, yeah, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. When was the last time you could truly say, God shepherded me and God led me to do this. I meet young people all the time, and, and they, they talk to me about their future. And, of course, I preach to a lot of young people. I was just with, uh, with, uh, your, with CJ and, and uh, his, his uh, wife there and their, their youth group and all of the, that group out at camp and, uh, in northern Wisconsin. We had about 500 people, five, 550 people, something like that at this camp. It was amazing. But how many of them could truly say, God's leading me? And as I talk to him, here's what I hear oftentimes. Well, I've always wanted to do. Well, I always had a desire to want to do. I've always thought I would make a good. When was the last time you ever just surrendered and said, God, wherever you want to lead me, that's where I want to go. As we many times sit there and we hypocritically sing, where he leads, I'll follow, follow Jesus all the way. We sing songs like, guide me, oh, thou great Jehovah. We sing, follow, follow. I would follow Jesus anywhere, everywhere. I would follow on as long as he doesn't ask me to be a soul winner, and as long as he doesn't ask me to knock on doors, and as long as he doesn't ask me to go to the mission field, and as long as he doesn't ask me to sing in a choir or teach a Sunday school class, and as long as he doesn't lead me to lead me to uh, talk to my neighbor, and as long as he doesn't lead me to witness to somebody, and as long as he doesn't lead me to pastor a church I'll follow him but that's not being shepherded being shepherded here's what we think God is we think we can wrap our life into a little a little gift and present and just ask God to put a bow on the top of everything we wanted to do anyways when was the last time you could truly say I'm being shepherded by the Lord 
Most of us can't even handle a physical pastor, let alone a pastor which we cannot see. And this is why we have difficulty. We, listen, <laughs> the Bible said this about you and your brothers in Christ. How can we say we love God who we have not seen and we don't even love our brothers who we see daily? Can I translate that to you in the new Calvin version of the Bible? I hate even saying that. <laughs> how can we follow a pastor who we have not seen when we haven't even learned how to follow a pastor which we see daily? And we don't like that very much because we don't like being shepherded. We are naturally creatures that we want to go off on our own. But let me tell you, as a sheep, this is why I believe God, sheep are a congregational people. Listen, they, they, they know what it is. to Their only protection, many of them, is to stay by the shepherd and to stay together as a congregation. This is why the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, Be sober and be vigilant for your adversary the devil. He walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Do you know how lions hunt? He's like, maybe. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, here's how lions hunt. They, they try to make it seem like they're not even interested in you. And they'll just go down there and they're just kind of lollygagging. That's one of my, one of my 2 a.m., usually if, if I'm awake, it's like I watch guilty dog videos or I'm watching a cat rip something apart and eat it. And, and, and the lion will act like it's not interested in anything at all. It'll just go by there and there'll be the, all those deer and antelope and zebra and they're just, they're just kind of hanging out. And that lion's over there, he's like, ah. Oh. And he just wants to get them to get comfortable and once they start to get comfortable with his presence, here's what he'll do. He'll just kind of roll over to his stomach, just looking around, looking around. And what he's doing is he's seeking whom he may devour. He's watching which one of those animals kind of went, ooh, that hurt a little bit. He's watching which one of those animals is a little slower than the other one. He's watching out for the little ones. And he starts to zero in on a couple of them. And then here's what that lion will do. That lion will take off and he'll just start running. And it seems like it's just randomly that he's running. And what he's doing is he's getting that herd to begin to circle and they, she's causing chaos amongst them. By the way, I've seen him do it in churches. I've seen him do this in youth groups. I've seen him do this in homes. And he begins to cause chaos. And in that chaos, he's really zeroing in on one or two people, but he wants everybody moving around. And then you can see him as he starts to run and he'll start to zero in on that one. And then, he's, and then he's chasing that one, and then he'll get as close as he possibly can, and he'll hit that back leg, and they'll start to stumble and to fall. And then all of a sudden, they'll lock on that throat, and they'll take every bit of air out of them. You know what Satan does to us? Because we're not pastorable, because we don't want to stay within the flock that God called us, here's what happens. We begin, he begins to isolate us one by one, and he begins to sink his teeth in us. You ever saw somebody in a church or in a youth group somewhere, and it just seems like out of nowhere, it seems like their marriage just, just implodes and explodes, and it seems like that teenager just all of a sudden seemingly out of nowhere, they, they're, they're, they're messed up on, on drugs or an alcohol or in perversion, and it just seems like it happened out of nowhere. Listen, it didn't happen on purpose. What happened was you got away from the shepherd, you got away from your protection, you weren't being guided anymore, and Satan took advantage of that. Can I ask you this morning, are you pastorable? 
You know, I noticed some older preachers, some of them retire from ministry at certain times, and they, it's almost like they become unpastorable. Now, while they were the pastor, they wanted absolute, you know, thumb under, you know, they wanted to tell you everything, but they weren't pastorable. There's some bosses sitting in this room right now, and I don't know, and I love, I love not knowing everybody, and I don't know their lives, I don't know anything going on. There's some parents in this room that will say to their kids, because I said so. And yet the God of heaven comes to you and says, because I've said so. And we're still not doing it. We treat our kids and we treat our employees. I've got employees. I had to recently make an employment change in some of their lives. And, uh, and uh, we, we look at it and we look at our employees and we say, man, you ought, to, you, ought to be able to tell, we ought to be able to tell you what to do. You work for me. I pay your salary. I do this and that. And the Bible says in him we live and in him we move and then we have our being. And yet he is the last one that we want to tell us anything to do. And we begin to make decisions in our lives and we never even allow God veto power enough to even tell us no and somehow we think we're following christ no what you are really doing is you are following yourself hoping that christ will spread his little sprinkle dust of approval on at the end very quiet in here thank you for listening so well all right it's hitting home with us because we're not as pastorable as we think we are I talk to pastors about this all the time. We've got people in our congregations all over America. Listen, it's happened in our church. They, they'll ask the pastor about what kind of carpet they ought to have in their house. They'll ask the pastor about, about you know, what, what, what kind of, what are the color scheme ought to be in their new office at home. And yet they're about to move clear across the country and they don't even ask. And not that anybody, a good pastor is not, he doesn't want to tell you what to do. But he at least wants to be, the Bible says in a multitude of counselors there is safety. When you're not pastorable, guess what? You start to lose your protection. And some of us, I'm reiterating it again, we, we have enough problem with our physical pastor, let alone letting God pastor us. I, I, somebody said, I, I wish Jesus was our pastor. Oh, really? You wish Jesus was your pastor? Are you kidding me? How'd you like your pastor to be able to know everything you're thinking? How'd you like him to be up here preaching and say, listen, I don't care whether you agree with me or not. And you're like, he heard that? Man, did I turn the stove off? Did I turn it off? Doesn't matter what you did with your stove. But that's what he did with the Pharisees, isn't it? The Bible says, while they reasoned in their heart, he began to answer their questions. You want, you want Jesus as your pastor. Are you kidding me? I don't want him as my pastor. I'm like, my pastor had no idea what I did yesterday or last week. He knows everything. Is he shepherding you? I tell people all the time, you know the people that ought to be in the members of this church? The people that God put in this church. But so many of us, the reason why we have so many church-hopping Christians is because you say, does God move people? I believe God does move people. I just don't believe he's moving them as much as they're moving. We got the average pastor staying at churches for three and four years. The average church member is not much better than that. And I'm telling you, I believe a lot of it is because we just simply don't have a shepherd. We've become our own little gods. 
What if God said to you, tomorrow, I, I want you to take a different way home from work. Well, I don't know. It's quicker. It doesn't matter. What if God said to you, I want you to take a different route home from work? I can tell you times in my life where I believe God told me, hey, why don't you go this way instead of that way? I'm not talking about some extra biblical revelation, but it was like the Lord just speaking to my heart and said, why don't you go that way instead of that way? And all of a sudden I hear later, yeah, there was an accident over there. This is what happened. There were times where I believe, I believe the Lord told me, we were out, we were out soul winning in, in a part of it, and it was like, oh, I think I'm just, I think I've got to leave this area right now. I packed my youth group. I'd have some teenagers with me. I was captain of their, their group. And we lived there. And all of a sudden, three minutes later, that George Webb we were out in front of passing out gospel tracts gets shot up. And I realized that, 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 that's a very poignant, you know, uh, uh, kind of out there illustration. But I'm going to tell you, what if God was trying to get you to avoid some things? What if God was trying to lead you in certain areas and because we don't even have the decency to say, God, is this what you want to happen? I meet couples all the time. I was like, have you ever prayed about it with God wants you to have her as a wife? <laughs> I mean, but she looks good. I mean, I'm glad she looks good. I'm glad he's, you know, muscular and ruggedly handsome like me. That wasn't a joke. <laughs> they laughed at me in church. My, somebody said one time, I said, Brother Allen, you're so ugly, your mother, your doctor slapped your mother when you were born. But anyways, <laughs> watch this. What if, what if God wanted to be our shepherd again? What if you say, God, I want to marry who you want me to marry? You know why some of us don't pray? Because we already know where the shepherd wants us to lead us. I, God help us. I got my glasses off so I can't see who I'm talking to. <laughs> Many of us don't ask him to shepherd us because we already know the answer. That's why we don't pray about move. That's why we don't pray about who God, where we ought to go in the business. That's why we, because we already know many times what he has to say. God, should I drink alcohol? He, he don't even have to. He gave you enough Bible for that answer. Well, God, should I, you know? Listen, there are certain things that the shepherd's already declared. He's already, what a shepherd does, he already put up, he put up a hedge already. There's certain things you don't have to ask about. Can he shepherd you? There's a pastor, number two, and I'm hurrying because I'm starting to get hungry. Not only is there a pastor, watch this, there's provision. There's provision. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not, what? He's able to provide for us. I'll just cut right to the chase. Some of us Americans are way more American than we are Christian. I say, what do you mean, Brother Allen? Because some of us are more consumed with the American dream than we are living the Christian life. You know what the American dream is, don't you? We want to make enough money so we don't have to depend on God. We want to set up our life in a way so everything's covered so God doesn't have to do anything. Come on, that's where we are. 
And yet God said, hey, if I'm your shepherd, I can provide. And then when something goes wrong, we start wringing our hands. Oh, what if the economy does this? What if we shut down again for COVID? What do you mean again? And, uh, no, but what, what if we shut down again? Oh, what's going to happen? I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this. God didn't fall off the throne in 2020, and he's not going to fall off the throne next month either. Oh, what if we go through another four years of this president who doesn't even know where he is? <laughs> I was in a major conference one day, and I said, I, said I, feel like, I feel like the president up here. I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea how I got here, but I hope there's ice cream at the end of it all. <laughs> what, what if we get the orange guy again? Oh, what's going to happen to me? It's almost like we forgot that we have a shepherd and that he can lead us to provision. Did you know God, God's economy doesn't depend on the American economy? David said this, I have, been, I have been young, I am now old. And he said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. God can take care of you during a drought. God can take care of you during a famine. God can take care of you during times of prosperity, just like he can take care of you during the Great Depression. Listen to me today. I'm just saying to you, we need to get back to our dependency upon the Lord again and say he is the one that can take care of us. You say, well, I have this mind and my hands gave me to know. The Bible says your breath is in the hand of the Lord. He can snuff it out. He can take your mind. He can take your ability to make money. And he can, listen, he'll remind you real quick that he's in charge and that you're not. Try to do your job with no legs. Try to do your jobs with no breath in your body. Try to do your jobs without a sound mind. And some of you have been doing that already, I know. But listen to me. Once you get back to depending upon the provision of God, he said, because he is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Mm. You say, what's so significant about that? Well, this is written in a region of the world who doesn't have many green pastures. Some of you, because you haven't been there, you can't picture. But I'm telling you, I could, I could picture when I see this now, brother, now that I've been since the last time I was here, I've been to Israel just like you have. And I can see those shepherd's fields outside of Bethlehem. And I see the brown spots here and the brown spots there. But I can see that shepherd as he is guiding his flock back to the green pastures. Listen to me today. God's not here to lead you high and dry. God's not here to not take care of you. Listen to me. He is a pastor that leads us into green pastures. God can take care of you. What do you need this morning? You need love? Oh, he can take care of that. You need companionship? Oh, he can take care of that. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You need comfort? He can comfort you. You need, listen, uh, you need strength? He can strengthen you. My God is the one that leads me to green pastures. And then watch this. He said, there's peace. He leadeth me beside the still water. Can I help you? I was talking about my one friend I met at a cherry farmer in Sunday school. I met another preacher who's a missionary to Haiti. And I can't even go, their family testimony is un, just unreal. Brother Bob Johnston, he went home to be with the Lord several years ago. And he sat down with me out of the blue for an hour and just talked to me about Psalm 23 one day. He said his daddy, him and his daddy, they took care of sheep when he was a young man. And he began to just expound to me Psalm chapter 23 just blew my mind. And that was kind of the birth of this message. 
And he said, Brother Allen, he said, I went out one day and he said, I, was, I went out to water the sheep. And he said, I had their little pail just like a normal. And he said, I put that thing right where I normally put it. And he said, the sheep just wouldn't take any of it, just wouldn't drink. And finally, he got concerned about it. He went in the house and he talked to his daddy. He said, Daddy, he said, they're not drinking. He said, well, son, is there any ice on the top of it? It was cold. He said, there's no ice on top of it. He said, son, did you check for bugs? He said, there's no bugs inside of there. Nothing I could tell. And finally, his daddy got up out of his chair and he went back to the back porch and looked over the fields and he just started to laugh. And he went out there. He said, boy, let me show you something. And he moved that pail from here to here. And all of a sudden, those sheep went over there, sucked up all that water. And he's sitting there scratching his head, and he's like, what in the world is the difference? He said, well, son, let me show you this. He said, where you had that bucket where you normally put it, he said, the wind had changed directions, and that wind was blowing on the top of that water. And he said, son, here's the thing. Sheep won't drink from troubled waters. And he said, when I moved that bucket, he said, there was a peace that came over that water again. And now the sheep could, listen to me today, some of you, your life is so tumultuous and it's tempestuous and there's a torrential downpour in your life and you wonder why I can't get fed. But listen, the Bible says, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. The way of the wicked is his darkness, the Bible says. They know not at what they stumble. And that's why some of you, just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubts, fightings and fears within and without, O Lamb of God, I come. And some of you, if you'd come back to the shepherd, you could find the peace you've been looking for. But Alan, my home is torn up right now. My heart is torn up right now. My marriage is torn up right now. My teenagers are torn up. My ministry is torn up. Uh, my Sunday school class, it just seems like I can't even get traction. It may be that you need to return back to the shepherd and get some of that peace. And let him lead you beside the still waters again. But he can bring a peace like nobody else can in your life. Mm. Man, I don't have time to expand this, but... The Bible calls Jesus the Prince of what? Thou shalt call his name Wonderful Counselor, the, ever, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of? He's the Prince of Peace. Maybe you need more Jesus in your life. Maybe instead of that pill bottle, you ought to turn to him. Maybe instead of that joint, whether it's legal or not, you ought to turn to him. Maybe instead of that bottle of alcohol, maybe instead of Captain Morgan, you ought to turn to Captain Jesus. Maybe instead of turning to crown royal, you ought to turn to the king of kings and lord of lords, the one that is truly wearing the crown for us. I never said that before in church. That was pretty good. <laughs> like, why do we have this guy back again? Talk about crown royal in church. There is some people with purple, though. Anyways, watch this. We know who the worldly ones were. They just laughed right there. They knew what I was talking about. We're on the same page. Anyways. But why, why we get more Jesus in our life? Because he can bring peace. Young person, that peace you're looking for, that peace in that boy, that peace in that girl that you're looking for, you're going to find it in Jesus Christ first. And what if you both found the peace of Jesus first and then you got together? Mm, that sounds like a pretty good recipe for success for me. Here's, what he's, here's what's going to happen with that Prince of Peace. 
See, one day he's going to come down. He's going to set foot on that Mount of Olives that you saw not too long ago. And that some of y'all saw the pictures. You can see the Dome of the Rock right from there, the Temple Mount from there, and every all over Jerusalem right there. You can see the old city down here, the city of David, and you can see Jerusalem over here. You can see the expanded Jerusalem behind there. And listen, the Bible says that Jesus is going to step foot on that Mount of Olives when he returns back. It's just that same place where he ascended. He's about to descend not too many years. And the Bible says that he's going to split that mountain in half and there's going to be streams coming. It's going to fill that Kidron Valley and he's going to split the eastern gate. He's going to walk through that eastern gate and he's going to rule and reign from where? Jerusalem. Some people, I think some Americans think he's going to rule from Washington, D.C. I really do think that. One lady one time, she said, I just can't wait till Jesus comes back because we're going to get our country back. I'm like, I don't mean to break it to you, but when he comes back, He's not setting up a constitutional republic. There'll be no democracy when Jesus comes back. You understand that, right? It will be a totalitarian dictatorship. You don't get a vote. The Supreme Court can't determine the constitutionality of it. There'll be no laws coming out of the Senate and out of the Congress. Listen to me today. Jesus isn't coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. And he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. Anybody know what Jerusalem means? It's the city of, can you guess? Shalom, peace. It's just fitting that the Prince of Peace would reign in the city of peace. Every beauty pageant, I want there to be peace in the Middle East. There will be peace when the Prince of Peace shows up. And there could be peace in your life too. Watch this, number four, and we're done. There's a pardon. Look at what he says. He said, he leaves me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Mm. Here's something about sheep. I began to study this out after Brother Johnson's conversation with me, and I began to study this out, and I began to know, here's something that happens to sheep. You, you know cats? Some of you, who, who's got cats? I need to know who all the sinners are. I believe that movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Cats go somewhere else. Amen. I'm going to preach the Bible whether they like it or not. But, but if you take a cat, no matter, no, matter what, no matter what height you drop them from, they're always going to land on their, no matter what. They will always land on I've seen it where they, they literally, the, the ground is here, they have the cat upside down like an inch above the ground and they let it go and the cat just goes like that. They're demon possessed. <laughs> you know what? God, <laughs> she's helping me preach over here now. You know why? God made them. And, and, and listen, and, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what height you drop them from. It doesn't matter if you tie a brick to them. Don't ask me how I know that. It doesn't matter if you throw them over the fence with that German shepherd over there. <laughs> Father, forgive me. They will land on their feet. You know why? Because God made them. Cats are made with, the, with their spine and hips that they can immediately turn it even in the air. Dogs, similar. They can turn like that. Did you know that sheep don't have that type of spine? 
if a sheep gets turned upside down, they will be stuck there. And here's what begins to happen. Their blood will start to pool in their organs as they're stuck here. <laughs> I, was, I was preaching one time with, in Texas uh, back in June, and I was preaching with a translator. The church is bilingual. And, 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 the, and the, span, the pastor of the church, he would do everything I would do. I mean, literally, everything. if I came off the platform, he'd come off the platform. And I was preaching this message there, and I went like this, and he had to get on the ground and do like this, too. I'm like, we're both crazy in English and Spanish. And we go, that sheep, what will happen, Brother Reno, is that sheep, the blood will begin to pool in the organs of that sheep. And it will begin to drown from the inside out. There's a word they have for it. His name, it's, it's, they call it being overwhelmed. You ever been overwhelmed? You ever been upside down? And you feel like, man, if he doesn't show up, I'm going to drown. And there's no way to make it right again. Unless the shepherd shows up. I've been there with my sin. I've been there with my sin where I felt like David and said, oh, my sin is ever before me. Oh, I've been to the place where I felt like I can't go on another day because of something that I did or something that I saw or something that I said or something that was even done to me. And you feel overwhelmed. I've been there because of my sin. I've been there because of sorrow. I've been there brokenhearted, much like David. So many times in the book of Psalms, David's like, man, I just want to go away from everything. He said, had I the wings of the morning, I would fly away. He said, I want to get away from here. He said, I've been to hell. I've been to heaven. I've been all places in between. I've been here. He said, when my spirit is overwhelmed within me, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You've been overwhelmed, Christian? Boy, I'm going to tell you this. I sure am glad for every time the shepherd showed up and he made everything right again. I know there may be some people sitting in this room today where you're overwhelmed. It may be your sin. It may be your sorrow. It could be some sadness that is coming to your life. There could be some sickness right now. No doubt he was sharing with me the diagnosis of cancer. We've got three or four people in our church right now, the Kenyangas who have been out here, and Martha's over there. She's dealing with cancer right now, and God's blessing, and he's, 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 I believe he's healing her. And I, I remember what it was like to I sat there in the church foyer after they came back off the field, and she, got, she was there and we didn't know why she was there and she got her test done and then all of a sudden it came back as cancer and the, he flew back over there and we're kind of their home church and and um and he came back over and i remember i remember standing in the foyer with that dear man of god missionaries of tanzania just trying to serve god and i remember standing there and him and telling him i prayed for her this morning 
I remember him standing there in the foyer of our church, and most of the church had gone out there, and I remember him standing there and telling me what they, what they kind of think they're going to be able to do, and I remember him just tears began to fall out of his face as he's trying to describe this to me and trying to, and trying to hold it together. Listen, I know what it's like, and there's people far greater than I that know what it's like to have the diagnosis. They've gotten the phone calls. They've, been, they've had their hearts broken, and you feel overwhelmed this morning, but can I tell you, there is a shepherd that is willing to provide for you and he's going to bring you some peace into your life uh, and he's going to pardon he's going to make everything like it was and I'm thankful tonight oftentimes I'll be in a ch- on my way to church Sunday morning and I listen to that old song I don't know who I don't know what choir it is or what even group that it is but it just says I'm going to keep on till God turns this thing around gonna press on Till God turns this thing around. You know the devil is on my track. And he's trying to hold me back. But I'm going to keep on till God turns this thing around. Can I tell you, church, maybe God sent me here to just told you to keep pressing on until God turns it around. Amen. You have a shepherd that will not let you be overwhelmed. Can I tell you something else about this, this pardon? Oh, he says this. He makes the light under you, leaves him beside himself. He, he restoreth. This word restore, I remember when I used to look up this word restore, I used to think of it like a car. I used to think of it like, okay, if you're going to restore something, you're going you're gonna, to you know, kind of fix something that's wrong. And it's not, it's not just, I, I used to think it's like, it was like filling up something again. I used to think it was like, okay, the cup is empty. I'm gonna fill. It's not just that. It's that he's going to make it like it was new again. Isn't it amazing, Revelation chapter 18, or excuse me, chapter 22, when he said, I am the Alpha and Omega, he said, behold, I make all things new. And maybe some of you this morning, you just need a dose of all things new in your life. Oh, Brother Allen, you don't know how I struggled yesterday. You don't know what I did yesterday. I don't even know or care what you did yesterday. I know what God wants to do for you today. Listen, I have hung my hat on this verse. His mercies are new each day. And sometimes I needed it every hour. But he's able to restore. He's able to restore your sin. He's able to restore your broken heart. He's able to restore your broken relationships. One more truth. Here we go. It's not even in this passage. But I I got to say it before I leave here this morning. The sheep. You remember that prophecy in in Genesis chapter 3? He said there's going to come one born of the seed of woman. And what's going to happen is that serpent and him are going to have a fight. And that serpent is going to come and he's going to bruise the heel of that that man. And he said that man's though going to crush the head of the serpent. Can I tell you this morning? Do you want to know how how they make snake venom? Here's what they will do to make snake venom. For it happens with several animals, but there's something about a sheep that is very unique. And it is the most used animal when creating snake venom. Here's what will happen. They will allow that snake to come and they will, it will bite that sheep. And that sheep will begin to have the repercussions of the bite of that serpent. And all of a sudden, that sheep will fall over to the side. And that sheep will look like it's dead. And after time passes, time passes, time passes, 
That sheep will rise up again. But what has happened is when that serpent bit that sheep and it fell over and it became as dead, what was happening was that that sheep's blood was creating the anti-venom. And just like a mongoose, some of you have seen black mambas, they will bite those mongoose over in Africa. But their blood is creating anti-venom for the snake's bite. And then what researchers will do and the scientists will do, they will then be go, they go and they will extract that sheep's blood because it has the antibodies to counteract the serpent's bite. And they will then use that for anybody else that has been bit by that serpent. He said, Brother Allen, what does this all mean? About 2,000 years ago on the old rugged cross Jesus was bit by a serpent called the devil and the Bible said that he became as dead and three days and three nights it looked like the Lamb of God was dead but what was happening while the Lamb of God was in that grave is his blood was creating the antibodies it was creating for the solution for the serpent's bite and once they extracted that blood out of the Lamb now whosoever will can come and get a cure for the serpent's bite. And I say to you here today, if you're not saved, you need the blood of the lamb. Listen, you don't even have a shepherd yet. You need the blood of that lamb. You need the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and that whose blood as he became a dead man, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and that sheep, that lamb of God, which was led by the shepherd all the way to its death on Golgotha's hill, but he rose up again and now you and I have an opportunity to be pardoned and to be restored because of the blood of the lamb. But can I say to you Christians in here, You have the ability to be restored because of the blood of the Lamb. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he said this, by his stripes we are healed. See, I believe that's salvation. I I believe it's partly salvation too. But I believe Jesus can heal some things as a sacrificial lamb of God. And don't you know that this morning he wants to take some of your lives. Satan has got you turned upside down. Sorrow or sin has turned you upside down. But Jesus wants to turn it all around again. You see, Psalm 23, is not, we're not just waiting for our funeral to quote Psalm 23. We're not just waiting till grandma passes away so we can put it on a little obituary card. No, no, no. I want to spend the rest of my life having a pastor, depending on him for provision, letting him lead me to peaceful waters, and allowing God to pardon and restore as only he can do. Our heads up, our eyes are closed this morning. You've been a wonderful crowd to preach to.